Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Bicocelli. Hi there. Thank you for joining us here on Answering the Call on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live to you on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli. Now, my guest today recognizes the value of a good Catholic Newman Center in the university environment. It helped him flourish in his faith during his college years, and he is eager to help today's college students, our Catholic college students, do the same. He is Father Ed Novak. He's a Paulist father and the director of the Newman Center here at The Ohio State University, and he's here to share his vocational story with us today. So welcome, Father, and thank you for joining us on Answering the Call. Thank you very much. Very glad to be here. Oh, and welcome to Columbus. We're glad to have you in our in our uh, city as well. So, uh, Father Ed, you hail, hail from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, from a practicing Catholic family of Polish descent. Mm-hmm. So, would you say between your family upbringing and and maybe your parish life growing up, you had a a good start to your Catholicism? Oh, very much so. Yeah, sorry, our family. Yeah, I went to church every every Sunday, of course, and then you know pray, we pray the Rosary uh, during the month of May and October, and any time we traveled, we, we always prayed the Rosary every day while we were traveling on vacation anywhere, any long distance. So, yeah, we we're very much you know raised in Catholic faith. Went through uh, first through eighth grades in Catholic grade school, uh, and got you know very much involved as an altar server as, as soon as I you know was able to and. Uh, maintain that involvement with, you know, with the church. Awesome. So uh, when did you first realize, or maybe was it affirmed in you by others, that you um, could assist other young people in their faith journey? Yeah, yeah, and think, yeah I think about that. I, I, in high school, I was uh, our, our, one of our pastors, uh, our assistant pastors at our parish, uh, Father Paul, uh, said he was starting a youth group. And uh, it was called a Teen Life Youth Group, and you know he was looking for people to you know be uh, the first parts of that youth group to start it and get it going. And and he came up to me. He knew me as an altar server, and you know, and also I think at that time I started lecturing as well, so I was a lector. And and he says, Ed, this group could you really use someone of your caliber? And I thought, oh, well, you put it that way. How can I refuse? <laughs> <laughs> So he saw like a, a leadership in you and, yes. and, and enough of a, a grounding in your faith mm-hmm. that you might be able to get other kids attracted to the program. Right. And, yeah, and it was. It was it was a great program. We, you know, we did social things, social justice things. We visited people in the nursing homes. We uh, did, you know, prayer retreats and things. And so it was a, it was a very good program. And, uh, you know, it really kept me active in the faith. After um, high school, you went to Penn State and you studied uh, cer- uh, ceramic science and engineering. Correct. And now some kids uh, at times can go to college and kind of lose their faith, get kind of sucked up into the secular cu- culture, but you were actually able to quickly find a faith home when you got to college. Oh, very much so, yes. I, as soon as I got there, my, the first day, you know, I looked up the Newman Center and really uh, introduced myself to the Newman Club president, uh, you know, Bob Riddle, at that time there, and, you know, Made myself known and available anywhere I could help, and I and he, he quickly got me involved yeah, with with the Newman Club, and even that that freshman year, I ran for uh, in the spring semester, and became a Newman Center uh, Newman Club officer as a treasurer, and I was a treasurer for three years, and just involved in helping you know put on the different programs throughout the Newman Center, and uh, and just being very present, hanging around the Newman Center, and getting other people and trying to recruit other people to help with things and. 
uh, during that the, those years of Penn State too, it was the first time uh, that uh, lay Eucharistic ministers were uh, uh, being proposed and uh, for ministry, and I was asked to be one of those first ones there too. That was a really beautiful privilege as well. And that uh, Newman Center uh, at Penn State at the time was Benedictine right. priests the that were there. Right, Benedictines out of Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and uh, a really good group of, of guys. Uh, it was it was really nice too being able to get to know them. Uh, Although, you know, I was good friends with, you know, the priests in my home parish church, but didn't really uh, do a whole lot with them. But here at the Newman Center, yeah, I got to hang out with them, see them on a daily basis, help out. Yeah, I I was always going to daily Mass, too. Mm -hmm. It'd be be an altar service scheduled for Mass, but even when I wasn't scheduled, I'd I'd attend daily Mass a lot. And so it made that really my priority, too, throughout my time at Penn State to be attending daily mass. And, and I got to see, you know, they had their different styles and different uh, uh, ways of preaching and, you know, appreciated all, all their different styles and, and with the gifts they had to offer. And yeah, I'd, I'd go running with uh, Father Joe too. He, he liked to exercise and so yeah. we'd go running together. And So you really saw them, their, their humanity and right. just, they were. Yeah. And, and later on when I th- yeah, started considering priesthood, you know, I, I, I saw them yeah, as human beings, they had their good days and their bad days. They yeah, weren't sure. perfect. And I thought, well, I don't have to be perfect to be a priest. I, uh, so it was, it, was, it was nice that way. Well, And when was that, I assume now it's probably still college, that you are going from not just being an active Catholic, you know, in love with mm-hmm. your faith, but to a young man considering priesthood? Well, the very first time I ever thought of priesthood um, was, I guess, the freshman year in college we had. It was during the winter quarter. Uh, we had a, uh, a talk at, at the priest rectory. They invited all the uh, the Newman Club there, and and we're ta- talking about uh, married priesthood, you know, the history of that, and and uh, you know why it stopped, and you know would it ever continue? And I remember that's the very first time I ever thought of being a priest. I went and told Father Joe at the end of that. I says, you know, I consider being a priest if I could get married, because at that time I was dating my uh, then high school girlfriend, and mm-hmm. she was a year behind me in college, so she wasn't at Penn State yet. But I was, you know, had my plans to get married to her after I graduated, and, and that, that was what was going to be there. But uh, And then, so I just kept an open mind towards being a priest, though. First time uh, that you had that openness to yeah, it. was the first time it. I had that openness towards that. Did your um, friends or classmates kind of see that in you? Did, well, did they recognize that? Well, that, you know, that was, you know, there were a lot of guys in my dorm floor were Catholic, and so they, you know, they would come to church, and they would see me being an altar server, a lector, a Eucharistic minister, and so they would ask me, well, hey, when are you going to give the gospel? Yeah, when you, know, you start preaching. When are you going to start preaching? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm never, I'm never going to do that. You know, this is my freshman year. So I was like, no, no, I'm going to get married. So that's right now mutually exclusive. And so, um, but vocation talks, you know, it seemed like the priests were talking directly to me. And, and that, that uh, call kept on persisting in my life, you know, considering it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I still, I would, at the end of my freshman year, still not seriously considering it or anything like that. But uh, I, uh, you know, I said to God, I said, "All right, if anything happens to my relationship with Lucille, who I was dating, then I'd keep an open mind towards being a priest. Doesn't mean I'm supposed to be a priest if she breaks up with me or anything like that. But I'd be more free to make that decision." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, she ended up. We ended up, uh, you know, continuing to dating until my, like the beginning of my junior year, and then we ended up breaking up. So, um, so I, you know, I had. Kept an open mind towards that, but I had in, in the meantime, their sophomore year and junior year, kept on asking priests, "Well, how do you know that this is the right decision?" And they said, "Well, you'll be at peace with it." And so I was thinking, I was trying to look for some other definite signs besides Lucille breaking up with me, uh, <laughs> as to you know, what, you know, this is what God really wanted me to do. And uh, you know, a couple of things 
I, I thought at the end of my freshman year how guys on my dorm floor, I don't know who put this list up, but someone put up a list of guys most likely to become a doctor or a lawyer or engineer, and someone wrote me down as most likely to become a priest. And I got thinking, well, that is a sign on the bulletin board. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Can't get more explicit than that. So, I, yeah, that's, that is a sign. And I thought, well, maybe these these guys saw something in me that at the time I was yet not willing to admit myself. So. So, yeah, I thought, okay, that's one sign. And, and I had a dream where I took a step towards the priesthood, and that, that was kind of very important, too. But I still wasn't at peace with it. And, and I, you know, I, I, was, I was friends with a lot of women on campus and stuff, not dating them for marriage or anything like that. So I was like, well, you know, I could be friends with women. That's okay. I, I, yeah, maybe I could do this. I don't have to be married. And uh, so all these things and thoughts are coming together. I also trying to discern... Yeah, I was very much. I'm an introvert. I'm not. Yeah, you know, to get up there and talk and speak in front of people, I'd mm-hmm. be very, very nervous at doing that. And yet, deep down, I realized that well, I wouldn't be asked to do that right away. I'd be trained to do that. And deep down, I felt like, yeah, this is something I really enjoy doing too. <laughs> if I could just get over my nervousness, so I was like, okay, that's not a reason not to. And uh, you know, finally, those those you know, praying and discerning and, and talking with people about it. Uh, Led to my beginning of my senior year. I was uh, yeah, getting ready for our, it was in the fall semester there, and getting ready for our first Friday pizza party and helping out get, get things ready for that. And out in the hallway of, of the Newman Center, outside of our Newman Center office, I heard a student asking Father Joe if you know, his car had broken down just outside of town and he wouldn't be able to get a part to the next morning. Was there any Christian house where he could spend the night? And Father Joe was saying, no, he didn't know of any place, but I jumped out in the hallway and I says, hey, um, my roommate's gone for the weekend, you can stay at my place. <laughs> and we, uh, his name was Jim Black, and he was down, going uh, down to uh, University of West Virginia there in Blacksburg, or, uh, Virginia. And it turned out that you know uh, his dad was a, a Protestant minister, and he was considering whether to follow in his footsteps or not. Mm-hmm. So we ended up talking that night after the, the pizza party. We went out. His car was out past the soccer fields at Penn State there, and I was planning on going to the soccer game that night after the, the, the Newman Center event. And so we walked out there. We went to the soccer game with me, and we kept on talking about discerning and things like that, and got his stuff from his car, walked back to the Penn State diner, and treated him to a sticky bun there. And, and we were talking until like about 2 in the morning about all this stuff. And I told him, I says, okay, I got to get up at six in the morning mm-hmm. <laughs> and drive to Pittsburgh uh, to go to a wedding of a friend. And I says, you know, I says, I don't expect you to get up and, you know, you, you, here's the, here's the, here's the keys to the apartment. You could drop them off when you're done, you know, at the Newman Center where you met me. I have a mailbox there. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I left to go to the wedding. And it was the first time at a we- the, this family, wedding of a family friend in Pittsburgh that identified with the priest witnessing the marriage rather than the couple getting married. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Hmm, okay, this is interesting. And then at the wedding reception, I saw the priest getting hugs and dancing, and I thought, oh, this is good. I don't have to give up dancing. I enjoy dancing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I thought, oh, yeah, okay, this is looking more and more like, you know, something that I could be attracted to doing. And uh, the next day, I talked again where life, my life direction go, where I was going with, uh, with some uh, good friend and drove back to Penn State. And uh, Monday morning, woke up. Yeah, I'm very much at peace with the decision. And I thought, hmm, well, maybe this will go away or not. Let's see how long this lasts. But it persisted and came home at thanks for Thanksgiving break. And I, I told my family, and my dad is like, well, who's going to call who father? <laughs> and my little sister is like, well, 
does this mean I have to be extra good? <laughs> my two brothers were like, yeah, we're visiting grandma and coming back from grandma's and uh, leaving grandma's and grandma says, God bless you. And I said, God bless you back to her. And they go, oh, did you hear the way he said that? <laughs> so I said, just like grandma. No, no, no. I felt a tingle when he said, didn't you feel a tingle? So sounds like they're teasing you a little <laughs> yes. bit, but, yeah. but supportive. But they're, they're right? Very supportive and proud. And, and, and mom, mom was very proud of, uh, you know, uh, I mean, no matter what, you know, and throughout this seminary formation and all, they, your mom and dad both said, you know, you're doing this because you want to do this. Yeah, that's not, it's not, not just for us. You know, I mean, we're, we're happy no matter what. Because most parents, when I was in vocation work too, you know, most parents and family want uh, their sons or daughters, you know, if they're going into uh, religious life, to be happy. To be happy. That's you the know. number one thing we keep hearing. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, sometimes they, unfortunately, some people just don't seem to think that, they're, they're, you know, their religious life can be, you can be happy in that. And we just did that <laughs> so, national study, too, of yeah. priests and found surprisingly, yeah. not really surprisingly, remarkably happy. We're talking yeah. with uh, Father Ed Novak. He's a Paulist father and the director at the St. Thomas um, uh, Newman Center. Did I say that wrong? No. St. Thomas More Newman Center. Yeah, St. Thomas More Newman Center in Columbus, and he's our guest today on Answering the Call. So, um, Father, you you kind of uh, walked us through this story and through college and and this openness and this peace that you had after after that particular weekend, that all these things were kind of, the dots were connecting for you. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and your family, you know, generally seemed supportive. So what were your next steps um, after you graduated Penn State? That was 1983. You Mm -hmm. you finished your degree. What were your next steps to uh, then eventually discerning seminary? Where, Where to go next? Right. Yeah, so during the senior year after I decided to be a priest, I uh, looked through a lot of different vocational material when I was trying to discern priesthood. And uh, you know, I thought of being a missionary priest, and you know, I thought of overseas missionary, Mary Noel, or something like that. But the, the Paulus fathers had a, a poster in our at our Newman Center that, was, that the, the uh, Benedictines had put up that said, Missionaries to North America, Missionary Priests to North America. And I thought... You know, there's mission territory right here in the United States. You know, yes. my own fellow students, you know, that, that you know weren't really practicing the faith, perhaps, and or, or people who have left the faith without knowing what they really left. Um, and just uh, so that evangelization work and, and welcoming people back to the church and, and the whole interfaith into religious dialogue too, I was very much interested in. And here is a community uh, of priests founded in 1858 by a convert to Catholicism, mm-hmm. Isaac Thomas Hecker. Who wanted to evangelize North America, and you know, through using individual gifts and talents that that the person brings, you know, discerning the Holy Spirit uh, guidance in all of that, and so I thought, well, this is this is a religious community that is that contains all the reasons, you know, their mission is all the reasons I want to be a priest, and so this is, you know, the, the smallness of the community too. When I joined, we were only about two hundred and sixty. Uh, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, uh, the whole mission of evangelization, and using. Modern technique. You know, our founder Isaac Thomas Hecker said that our our power will be in uh, presenting the same old truths with a fresh new air, tone, and spirit. Right. And so the Apostles Fathers were the first ones to have a Catholic publishing company in the United States and a Catholic radio station, and right. we were, had the Catholic, um, uh, yeah, uh, Hollywood uh, productions and things too for, with our Apostles Productions in in Hollywood, trying to influence. Um, Hollywood movies in a, in a positive way. Yeah, it's just incredible. I didn't know that it was that division as well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about your religious formation, uh, becoming a Paulist father. Uh, for you, back then, um, your novitiate year was held in Oak Ridge, uh, New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, beautiful wooded area. I know mm-hmm. right now uh, it's it's all in D.C. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. for you, it was the, uh, in Oak Ridge, New Jersey. Uh, and then four years of theology right. at Catholic University of America mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. Yes. 
So when you think back of those years uh, of formation, did you have any challenges, any struggles? Yeah, yeah. yeah during, during those you know, four years of theology, you're, you do a lot, a lot of, you're learning a lot of theology, but you're learning a lot about yourself too, and you're trying to you know, be the best person you can be and how you relate to people and how you relate to yourself. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot of personal growth uh, opportunity. Um, and, you know, d- during that time, uh, you know, I, I got thinking that, well, gee, I had a lot of things I, I had to grow <laughs> with and work on. And I thought, well, maybe I'm not good enough to be a priest. You know, this is happening you know, towards the, you know, the, the little couple of years in, into the curriculum and all. And, and a friend of mine, not even knowing, I was thinking along those lines, uh, had sent me, sent me a card that had the scripture quote from uh, John chapter 15, verse 16, where Jesus is saying, it's not you who chose me, it's I who chose you to go forth and bear fruit. And when I, re, you know, when I read that quote, I was like, I was reminded that like, this was God's, you know, God's choice. Jesus was calling me to be a priest, and it wasn't my idea in the first place, and God must know what God's getting, and with all my human weaknesses and faults, and on my, <laughs> part, right. my part, I'll be the best, try to be the best priest I can be. So yeah. that was really reassuring, and uh, that, okay. Yeah, you were answering that call and, mm-hmm. and coming forward and figured God could fill in the details, mm-hmm. right? Because right. like you say, mm-hmm. he knows us better than we do. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've always thought that it's, you know, it's more of a direct call from Jesus rather than the church in general, uh, you know, to, to be a priest for Jesus. Yeah, it's within the context of the Catholic Church, but you know, it, it's, it's more uh, of that call. And in the in the Paulist order, is it typical that men have already done four years of college? Is yes. that pretty typical? Yes, yeah, pretty typical. And uh, yeah, people say, "Well, what am I doing with my ceramic science and engineering degree?" Well, that, I was going <laughs> to ask you that because I, as I'm listening to your story, I'm wondering: is that, did that engineer ever, you know, come in handy at all? But <laughs> well, you know, when, when, part of my discernment process, I remember talking to a, uh, a Holy Ghost Father priest uh, who was. Uh, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, and he he taught uh, science, and he says, you know, being able to know science and religion is you know a pretty powerful, uh, powerful mix. Yeah, know, being able to relate to both of those, and so yeah. I always thought, yeah, I have. Well, I haven't used it directly. You know, I, I've never found any conflict between science and religion, and uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it can be, you know, a very powerful tool to be able to uh, understand and appreciate uh, both aspects of our our you know, intellectual life and our spiritual life. Absolutely. Now, Paulists are missionary. Like you say, missionaries of North America there. And missionary life means moving around and that you have certainly done mm-hmm. as a Paulist father. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to recap where you've been mm-hmm. in the last 25, 30 years. 30 I'm, years. Is it this year? Well, it'll be 29. Okay. Uh, next, yeah, it's 29 years so far. 29. This May, so this will be my 30th year. So uh, four years in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in parish life. Yeah, I was a deacon there for a year or two before that, so I was full five years. There. Full, full eight, five years. Then nine years in beautiful Santa Barbara, California, mm-hmm. and that's where you were doing campus life. Um, there you served as a direct, director of the Newman Center. Mm-hmm. Um, six years in New York City as vocations director, and I want to point out for our listeners that um, in the Paulist order, that's vocations director means all of the United States and Canada. This right. is not just a little province or a region <laughs> you know, or a diocese. This is a huge area. So that's going to obviously involve a lot of travel during those years. Mm-hmm. You spent eight years at the University of Texas, again, Newman Center environment. Mm-hmm. Um, then you took a sabbatical year. You were actually due for about three sabbatical years, if I'm doing my <laughs> math right. But you took finally right. took a sabbatical year in Tucson. Right. Is that, yeah, yeah. Well, half a year. It was a half a year sabbatical. And... Um, 
Yeah, and Tucson, and part of that was a 10-week program at the Redemptors Renewal Center there, which I highly recommend to any priest listening. It's a, so, it's a really great program, it's so a spirituality still, program. Still studying and, and still learning, still growing, still mm-hmm. praying, obviously. Um, and then uh, now at OSU as the director of the Newman Center here in mm-hmm. town, um, where it's kind of nice because you can be a little bit closer to your mom, who's still right. alive in right. Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. where you're from originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a lot of experience, parish life, a lot of campus ministry experience and, and vocations director, which I think had been really interesting too. As you look back over those 29 years of service, was there any one particular highlight to you? Just getting the privilege of being blessed to know people and all those places that I served. And, you know, I still have friends in all those places that, uh, it came in handy when I was traveling as vocation director. I, I had a lot of places to stay and people to visit and see uh, while I was also, you know, recruiting. So, um, and it just being, you know, privileged to be vocation director too and just helping people discern. Uh, one of the uh, best de- definitions of vocation I've heard is like when your heart's greatest desire meets the world's greatest need. I that, love that. That basically, you know, God calls you to do something that, that you're going to be excited about doing, that you're going to look forward to uh, doing. It's going to have its challenges, as any committed you know, vocation relationship will. But in the end, you'll feel fulfilled in it. So, um, And what kind of men today are being called um, to the Paulist order? What are you seeing in, in these, these candidates that present themselves? Mm-hmm. Professionals, young, old, all, oh, yeah. all kinds of yeah, walks of life? Oh, yeah. yeah, I joined... I myself, of course, joined right out of college, but others you know, in, in my uh, class... Uh, we had 16 in our novitiate class. You know, some of them had you know worked for quite a number of years and you know had other professional jobs. Um, and uh, likewise, as vocation director, you know, you know people uh, God calls everyone at different points in their life. Um, and and as my direct yeah, job as vocation director is helping them to discern whether they're you know, being called to be a priest or being called to you know to the Paulist or another religious community or a diocesan priest. Or it was uh, it was it's nice being able to do that and help people. Uh, discern that absolutely i want to kind of focus now on your your campus ministry work since mm-hmm. you've you've been among catholic students from different parts of the country for many years mm-hmm. uh do you see a, a growing faith in this this population of oh, catholics yeah I, absolutely it's you know i feel so privileged to work with the you know the you know the, this is the population of catholics that that you know during this time of their life when they're you know owning the faith as adults young adults for the first time and to be there for with their questions and encourage questions too, and as so that they can grow in their faith and and mature in their leadership abilities too. These are the future leaders of our church and society, and to be able to be there at in this you know critical moment in their lives is is a, such a great privilege. Um, it, at the same time, too, their enthusiasm is always inspiring too. We have you know many year-round resident community members that you know, come to our Newman centers because they like to be around the enthusiastic young people and and and, and their faith there too. Uh, so it's it's a yeah, it's just a wonderful privilege to be there, uh, and it's encouraging too. Again, right. I, when I go out and give parish missions in different places, and you know they don't necessarily see a lot of young people in their own particular church, I assure them that no, they're they're there. They're out in the world, and uh, we we have a lot of them involved in our in our Newman centers. What would you say to us who have maybe either teens or young adults? Maybe we have grandkids who are teens or young adults. You know, what? How can we inspire faith among that age group? What do they need the most from mm-hmm. us? I think it just just the encouragement to you know to continue to explore and and own the faith on their own. 
Um, you know, oftentimes you've all done, you know, really great jobs, given them the wonderful foundations and really trust in that because they'll, they'll, they'll come back to that. Sometimes, sometimes they get involved in it right away in college or so, uh, you know, the freshman year, sometimes it takes them a little bit longer, but eventually, uh, the foundations that you gave them, you know, they'll come and explore and, and we and just encourage them to explore it and own it on their own too. Cause you know, I, they're maturing in so many other ways and yet. You know, sometimes we just don't allow our, our own faith to mature and, and, and to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, it, so it, I heard one, you know, campus minister one time says, I hope you lose your faith, the faith that you had as a kid and now, but, but now that you can find it as an adult. Yeah. And because of that, that'll right. serve you for the rest of your life. You know, your childlike faith is, is good for a point. It's a good basis to start. Right. But um, a mature adult faith, to be able to relate to that faith to the world and, you know, defend it to the world and live it for the world is what's really important. You're right. At some point they have to make it their own. Um, as you work among this, this young population, I, I'm sure you come across a young man, a young woman who you see something in, you know, or maybe they're coming to you and say, father, you know, I think is God leading me to mm-hmm. a religious vocation. What's your advice for someone like that? Again, you know, it's, it's a really, you know, discern, you know, why are you being called, you know, are, you know, the other particular circumstances, if you're thinking of religious life, you know, have you tried it? You know, have you, you know, gone on a come and see weekend somewhere? Have you, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, being a priest, are you involved as a lector, Eucharistic minister, are you involved in your church? Uh, so right. try to get a sense of what it's like to serve in the church. Um, uh, it, it, you know, so that can help you discern. Absolutely. Well, this has been great, uh, Father uh, Father Ed Novak, again, director of the Newman Center here at OSU. Could you, first of all, thank you for sharing your journey sure, with us. Thank We're you for so excited to have you, and we look forward to what you're going to be doing with the OSU students. Can you leave us with your blessing? Sure. Uh, let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask your blessing upon all of our listeners, and especially any who may be discerning uh, religious life or discerning how God's calling them in whatever manner of uh, vocation. Be with them and their discerning, and keep all of our listeners safe and healthy. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you again for joining us, Father Ed Novak. This is Elizabeth Ficicelli, host of Answering the Call. Join us on Tuesdays and Sundays at 1230 for another edition. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. Veni Sancti Spirit